Hey, I'm Jana. And I'm Charlene. Our lives were forever changed by a closet. In middle age, with marriages and four kids between us, we opened that closet door. Now, we're married to each other. And you're listening to the real and raw conversations we have as we try to make some meaning of it all. This is the Meaning Maker Podcast. Hey, it's Charlene. So today I think we're going to talk about this journey from a different angle and that this journey is a very spiritual journey for each of us. So when I say spiritual journey, what do I mean by that? Um, So I guess my first sense would be some sense of divine awareness, whether you call that God or whether you call it a soul knowing. I don't know. How would you describe it? That's such a hard question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, and yet I think we both would would say this has been a spiritual journey or a spiritual awakening. Awakening, along I think. With, yeah, yeah, I think awakening is the word that I would use for me personally. Yeah. Um, because it really, so much of this journey was an awakening. Right. In so many ways, but I think spiritually for me as well. But I actually, you know, when I think about this from that perspective, I think the awakening began so far before this particular story ever, ever started. And I feel like I did actually have a spiritual awakening in my life. And Mm -hmm. it's been sort of an ongoing journey since then. Um, But without that particular event happening to me that caused the spiritual awakening I don't know that I would be in this place today I really don't so talk about what is that spiritual awakening or yeah event for you that brought forth the spiritual awakening so for me it was uh the death of my brother in 1996 the fall of 1996 he died in a car accident and so I was not quite 26 at the time you know I was married uh we had our first child was maybe six months old. And, you know, so it's a sudden thing. It's a very tragic thing. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of, you know, like anything like that will just plunged me into this place that I, for a long time, I couldn't get out of. It was, and you know, I recognize it now as some of those stages of grief and some of those stages lasted a really long time. And, you know, I was, I was just really angry about it. And really it happened on Thanksgiving weekend, which felt extra unfair in some Mm -hmm. way, shape or form. And, you know, so I struggled, I think, to make any sense of that. And, you know, just sort of, I think it was really my first real tangle with grief in my, like, not that I hadn't lost people before, but I had never lost anyone that close to me before. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the first time that I really had to tangle with grief. And, looking back on it, I know lots of things now that I wouldn't have have known at that time. But yeah, it just it's sort of, well, I guess it's like any spiritual awakening, (laughs) many spiritual awakenings, I guess, start this way that, you know, some sort of major life event happens, it could be a lot of things, it doesn't have to be a death. But it happens. And it just plunges you into the present, like nothing, like nothing has and it me not like, you know, I wasn't raised in a yeah, a home so where we went to church every. Just going to ask you. Yeah, yeah. So I, we didn't go to church every Sunday. We weren't church people, um, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so I think it was the first time, not only that I was tangling with grief, but I was tangling with my faith. A faith, and would you have even called it faith before that time? I don't. I like. I you, don't. I don't know. I like. I don't. You know, I was in my twenties. I don't know that I gave a lot of thought to that aspect of my life up Mm -hmm. until then, right? Because I, you know, I was not somebody who went to church. I wasn't raised in the church. I don't know. So I can't remember thinking about that a lot. What I will say, though, is that if I had any faith, which of course I would have, like I believed in God and all of that, but I, my real faith, I think, and this is still true today, rested inside myself. It was always that sort of internal fortitude of, the faith of whatever happens, I will get through this. I will. Like I as a person or I as a divine 
part of you. No, or, I, I felt like it was me. It was me. Like person, I got to yeah. pull myself up by my bootstraps. I got to, right. uh, you know, I got to, I got to get through this in mm-hmm. whatever way. And you lean on friends and you lean on family and you do all of those things. But I think deep inside my faith until that time mm-hmm. had really rested inside. Like it was an internal thing for me. And that event brought it somewhere outside of me. And then you started questioning it or looking then at it Then I was questioning way. God and I was angry at God. Yes. And I was like, how can you do this to our family? Like it's Thanksgiving. What do we have to be thankful for? You know, all right. these things, right? Because I'm angry. Yeah. And so I'm grappling with that whole thing. Um, but what I will say, it just, it was the start of a journey. Like his death was the start of a journey that I never could have imagined I would ever go on it was uh, you know people came into my life that were life-changing in some ways I'm you know I met people who just were you know they had bigger and different perspectives than I did and you know they were trying to help me through it and they whatever turned me on to books you know like authors and you know Marianne Williamson A Course in Miracles and Wayne Dyer and all these you know just different ways of looking at things and it it literally changed everything for me Right. And, and I often look back now and think, you know, this is, um, it's sad to say, but it's, it's true. Like his death opened a door for me to a life I, I never would have dreamed of. I couldn't have imagined back then, but it opened a door. And so many things in my life have been doors, but that has been the most pivotal door probably in terms of how my life changed, how my faith changed, what my spiritual awakening ended up being. Like Mm -hmm. it just ended up being this whole path that, you know, plants me firmly where I am today in in a lot of ways. So your brother's untimely death led you on this and then other people coming into your life kind of at a time where you're at your darkest and grieving the most. And then sometime in all this too, I guess, is when you started to realize this awakening within yourself as well. Yeah, it was several years after that, but yeah. 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 So they kind of dovetailed I all do. Together. I feel like there's a huge connection there that it it's all part of the same journey. It's all part of the same journey and being willing to, you know, open the doors, look at things differently. You know, like my, my perspective about so much changed with, with him mm-hmm. dying and yeah, I, it's so hard. To, it's even it's hard to put into words like what it was that actually changed. All I can say is everything changed. It. I was angry for a long time, and then you know, as I'm coming out of it, I'm meeting people who are sort of, you know, introducing me to things that broadened my perspective. I would say, like just, you know, yeah, things I hadn't thought about. It caused me to think about things in a new way, and I look at it now like. Uh, you know that the book uh, Sacred Contracts. Oh, that, uh, that Carolyn, Carolyn Mace. Mace. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I read part of that book back then, mm-hmm. and it just it was like a light bulb went on. For Can me. you for people that are yeah? So Sacred Contracts is yeah. It's it's a well, it's a book about sacred contracts. It's um sort of if you believe in reincarnation it's the sort of deals that you make with the souls that you're going to come back with you know to help you get the lessons that you need to evolve and so i think of it as a sacred contract that you know perhaps we had some kind of some kind of deal and you know his life was supposed to go a certain way and that's the other thing his life taught me so much he lived a really troubled and tumultuous life mm-hmm. and was this you know immensely loving and sentimental person so that's a whole other story for another day but that you know we we made some kind of contract it was part of it that he was going to leave early and that was going to be the thing that opened the door to this sort of spiritual awakening evolution thing that happened to me and so it's like now I sort of you know like I try to live my life to sort of honor that if that is true Mm -hmm. then I need to live my life in such a way that honors that because he gave me everything. Hmm. It's almost like the Christian death and resurrection story. It is. It's like, you know, how Christians talk about dying on the cross to save us from our sins. Yes. Um, and being resurrected from that in some ways that you feel that his death 
brought his you death Lufna, literally new propelled life. me to a life I couldn't have imagined. It did. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so interesting. So I started by talking about the faith piece. <laughs> Sorry. No, but isn't, isn't that interesting? But that's, I'm not going to say that's where my faith began. No. But it's where the awakening to, to faith and, and, you know, spirituality and those kinds of things, I think, really began well, for me. I and think, I was 26, 25, 26 years old. I think that's so interesting because I bet as soon as we said the word faith on this podcast, you automatically, mm-hmm. we all automatically go to one place, being some kind of religion or we think about church or yeah. um, something kind of established and yet you you talked about faith in terms of this incredible awakening from this mm-hmm. horrific really event like yeah, horrible but, event and i don't think that's uncommon like i i do think lots of spiritual awakenings happen because of some major event and it's and it's usually i think a difficult event it could be a divorce it could be a death it could be a lot of things but i think that sort of walking through the suffering part is what delivers you there. Well, yeah, or that that mo- that pivotal moment where things break apart so that, like, foundations within you kind of crumble apart so mm-hmm. that you can rebuild them or reimagine what they are. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. that's, that's what that event was for you mm-hmm. in your 20s. But, like, you know, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. And it, it showed me down the road. Like I could, you know, there were so many things I couldn't see while I was in the middle of it, which is true of just about everything yeah. you go through. Yeah. But I see now like, you know, his, his death, like he was the first uh, person that really showed me that love is bigger than grief. And that, that I can withstand sorrow. And not only can I withstand it, I can use it to propel me in a positive, like in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And that has been such a gift because I do, I do think that, you know, of course everybody goes through hard times. You don't escape that in this lifetime, but not everybody finds their way to the light. And I feel like I found my, no, I found my way to the light. All right. <laughs> and he, you know, and now I am, I am using it as much as I can. Like I'm using the gift that he yeah. gave me as a way to honor him back as a way to honor that contract. Yeah, and that might be a bit you know, woo woo for some people to think about it as as that kind of thing and maybe, you know, at the time when I first learned about sacred yeah. contracts and that whole premise, I thought I did think to myself many times like maybe I'm just, you know, trying to justify what happened to him or whatever. But I don't I don't feel that way now. Yeah. I do, I feel like there is something really special between did it, us. Did it hit you as truth right away? Like yes. when you when yeah yeah right like there's- it was like a light bulb went on and I just I was like yeah this this is it this is the thing and I've written some some about it um but I also sometimes in my circle find it hard to talk about those things because not everybody is you know well is in that place or you know believes the same things and that's fine right. I just but yeah, it hit me as true. Well, and what what I find so interesting too about your story and your describing of it is that this wasn't your context that you had before then. Like you weren't necessarily talk somebody that um, labeled things as faith or no or uh, even like divine or God or any no. of those things. Right? That wasn't no, your experience I don't, I of really it. I really don't think I was. But no. yet, when you went through this and you felt these things, this hit you as truth with a capital t yes and then you could you just named it that way it made sense for you to name it that way would you have named it that way at the time actually that you were well no no i, I mean that's I a silly know. question i, I don't think, think i would have we ever when we're undergoing transformational things we can't see it as transformational things at the time it's just like kind of like people say oh you know this is you're so courageous or if people have said those two things yeah. to you at different times in their life. At the time, it doesn't feel like courage. No. It just feels like step by step, I'm just doing what I need to do. And the same with this kind of unraveling transformation process that you were undergoing in terms of now what you would label as a sacred transformational right. faith event, awakening, spiritual awakening, 
you wouldn't have been able to have words. No, I wouldn't have had words for it. And I didn't have words. And it, yeah, I think I, I knew something was happening Mm -hmm. and, you know, I was reading a lot. I was in, I think I did go to therapy at that time too. Like I was, I was just having an overall awakening. Like it was, and I knew something was happening, but no, I don't think I had the words for it. Now, when things like this happen to me, like, you know, when you're, you're sort of in the middle of a personal growth phase or whatever, mm-hmm. you feel that. Like, I feel that and I have words for it. And I know that something's coming. Like, I feel something's happening here. I know I'm, whatever, leveling up or I don't know what you call it, yeah. but I know it and I have words for it. But yeah, no, back then I did not have, I did not have words for it. And, and I, like I said, I wasn't raised in a household where, you know, there was a lot of church. Like, my my mom and dad would have gone when they were young, but we didn't, as a family, didn't make a practice of that. I don't remember talking about God a lot, other than in the first few years of my life when I, you know, had a very close attachment to a family who was very religious. Mm-hmm. I really, yeah, I just didn't grow up in that way. And I think that's, you know, our stories are very different in that way. And I think when we started this conversation, you thought maybe we were going to talk about that sort of you know, faith background a little bit more, but I don't have a lot of that to share. My faith was born, not necessarily born, but it came alive when my brother died. And I, I love that. You're right. When we started talking about this, this isn't the way I thought it was going to go, but I love that this is the way it's gone because I think this is truly an example of what kind of spirit and Mm -hmm. life and divine and all that ooey gooey stuff (laughs) that we kind of try to put labels on this is actually how it lives it lives in this these kind of transformational events within us and this knowing beyond knowing beyond knowing beyond knowing that that how you're um bringing things into your awareness is just truth for you Mm -hmm. and isn't that profound Mm -hmm. like in some ways we can't we have a hard time talking about faith or spirituality or things like that nowadays, nowadays, <laughs> because we've come to have so many labels on it that are so burdened with so many other things. Right. So I think your story, bringing that up to me is exactly, that's exactly it. See, that's it's exactly. good when we don't plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're really good at not planning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me, though, it was completely the opposite because I did grow up. Um, grew up faith being a very central part of family life in many ways. Grew up going to Mennonite church. I was, you know, you always have to clarify, like not the horse and buggy Mennonite church, right? (laughs) but a Mennonite church locally. And so I did grow up in a household where that was very much a part of my entire life understanding. And it was a part of family. It was a part of family events. It was a part of, it was identity huge identity for me yeah um and I then kind of went through an untangling process myself later on yeah but you had like which that that whole story that whole you know your childhood spent in the front pew and yeah (laughs) you know all of those things is so fascinating to me I feel like I did not live that but I can literally picture it (laughs) See, and I find your I find your life fascinating to me, but yeah, right. Yeah. But but so you're you know you're going to church. This is a question I have for you. Um, you know, as you're a child growing up in the church. Mm-hmm. So when I think back as a child who didn't grow up in the church, I don't really have any recollection one way or another of how you know anyone in my family would have felt about homosexuality like when I was very young when I got older and I had a little bit more awareness I I think I had a better sense but like I don't recall it ever being talked about or anything said about it it certainly wasn't you know in the news like same-sex marriage those kinds of things so there maybe was no reason to talk about it we lived in a small town didn't really know anyone who was gay right so in your so you're growing up in a faith community yeah do you have any recollection of what you were, what you would have learned about that or like, taught, but, you know, heard? It is so interesting to me. I don't know if I have 
blocked it out. <laughs> I don't have specific examples. However, so I can remember being a teenager and seeing uh, a couple who was, they were teens themselves. So I bet I probably would have been maybe 10 or 12. And they, I think, would have been between the ages of 16 or 18. I remember the two of them having to get up at the front of the church and repent because she was pregnant. And so I remember that event. Um, and I'm, so I'm thinking if I grew up in a church where that was happening. There must have been something. They must have been talking about homosexuality in some way across the pulpit. But I didn't take that in. So a lot of times when people think, um, oh, you grew up Mennonite, you know, this must have been a really hard thing for you to reconcile because, mm -hmm. you know, talk about is that homosexuality is talked about as a sin and all those kind of teachings that we hear the traditional church teach about. I can't say that I remember any specific um, specific things like that. I didn't grow up thinking it was a sin, a sin with a capital S with quotation marks around it. However, I grew up with a very strong black and white kind of moral sense, very strong moral sense. Right. So, oh, got to let the dog out. <laughs> These are the real raw conversations we have when the dog is in here crying to get out. Um, so I, yeah, so I grew, I, it, it's fascinating to me that I grew up with a very strong sense of, you know, right and wrong. So for example, around drinking, it was very clear to me, mm. you know, that drinking was wrong Yeah, and was, I wouldn't have used the word sin, but I would have said it's wrong or I would have, I would have judged fully judged people that drank in fact so i didn't grow up in a household it's probably a good thing we didn't know each other when I, we were young i yeah. think so yeah. yeah um so i didn't grow up in my household there was never really alcohol around i mean occasionally mom would buy a little thing of rum and then she'd keep it up in the cobweb corner of the cellar door <laughs> so that she could use it in christmas cake but right. otherwise we didn't have alcohol around but i remember being around seven or eight years old eight years old and we had fallen asleep. We were away camping in the trailer. And me and my sisters had fallen asleep. I'm the oldest of four. So we were all tucked away in there. My dad thinks he's that we're sleeping. And he comes in. And I see him reach up to the top drawer of um, the cupboard in the trailer. And he brings down a bottle of, I don't know what it was, some alcohol. And I cried myself to sleep that night. Because you had thought that was so bad? I thought Aww. that was so bad. And I thought... Oh my gosh, my dad must be an alcoholic. Oh my gosh. Like I, so those are the kind of, and he wasn't. Can I just tell He's you not. something? Yeah. So I'm camping in the same trailer park that you're camping yes, in. We okay? found this later. Yeah, we, we, found out this we later. learned this later. I'm camping in the same trailer park that you're camping in. <laughs> and like my dad's out at the fire having drinks. Yeah. And, you know, with the neighbor. So I grew up in a, ho a house where alcohol like the use of alcohol was very, very normal. Mm -hmm. And that that brings whole other things like your anxiety about it's it's evil or it's bad or yeah. whatever. You know, I didn't have that. I did not have that anxiety. But I will tell you that when you grow up in a house um, where there's alcohol use like that, the very first thing you learn is to look the other way. And that wow. will be an episode that we can talk about some other time. But wow. that that is something that I know that I learned as a child. Like you just don't, you're like, you don't look at it. You don't mm. look at it. That's what I will say about that. Wow. Yeah. Well, and interesting. And too, so I cried. I remember crying myself to sleep that night. But I don't, I never talked to anybody about it. I never talked to my dad about it or my mom. Um, but I think it's just those kind of pieces that just stayed stayed with me like in terms of that kind but of not, moral sense not about homosexuality but not somehow about that. not about homosexuality somehow not about that although then years later i remember being so this is like i think our you know our kids were young so um way before i ever you and i were ever a thought in anybody's mind i remember going and spending a saturday event at it was an event that was at 
that was um, put together by our church. And it was a couple from the States, an evangelical couple, or I should say a couple from within the evangelical church from the States. And this couple, he felt he, uh, the husband in this relationship was very much against homosexuality. And the wife in this relationship was very affirming. And they even went to different churches because because of this event. And so the whole event was the two of them kind of talking about both sides of it. And then we as listeners were just listening and processing. So I look back now and think, okay, Charlene, why did you why did you choose to go to an event like that? Like, why did I give up my Saturday to go sit in a church auditorium all day to listen to it? But I was fascinated. I was fascinated by the two sides of it. I don't remember having a feeling like, one, was wrong. one of them right or the other in your mind? Like, did no. you feel like you were on side with one or the other? No. no. And yet, so I didn't feel like it was a sin. But at the same time, I didn't feel strongly either. Like this woman was saying, we, uh, you know, this is not an issue. Like, you know, we are, we are affirming people. We should be affirming people. I didn't agree strongly with her either. Right. Like, so there was some sense of ambivalence within me and yet I like to think Charlene what took you there on that Saturday morning like what was being prepared within me mm. for the day that somehow this would be very present to my own understanding but no I never once even though I grew up in the Mennonite church I never once thought of it as a quote-unquote sin I don't really think I to be honest though I've never really subscribed to the idea of sin Okay, good. I don't either. No, I don't personally. No, not, not in the sense like, mm -hmm. like we know it. Um, if anything, if anything, sin to me would be when we go against the grain of our own true self. Mm. To me, that would be sin, which is kind of a different, um, a different way of looking at it, which ironically then... Coming back to here we are, you and I, I actually, when this happened between us, it wasn't a, it wasn't a like crisis of faith like it is for many people that grow up hearing things about that homosexuality is sin. It wasn't a crisis of faith. In fact, it was the opposite. It was uh, I wanted to shout from the rooftop, rooftops that this is my full self like right. this is my full divine self I felt like I was coming into my spiritual fullness not having to fight against it that's yeah and like that is brilliant and I want to say it was profound at a time when so I was still attending a Mennonite church at that time and the Mennonite church that uh, I was attending was the one that um, my ex-husband had grown up in all his life because he mm -hmm. was raised Mennonite as well. And so I kind of left my Mennonite church to join his and was very involved there. So when this happened and our marriage, you know, split apart, I, I stopped going basically. Um, and I had been, you know, kind of questioning things too about in terms of church involvement and religion and all those things for a while, but it really, it felt like a natural time to kind of move off move away and give space so that he yeah. could still attend that church without but i do remember together. you struggling in the beginning with because i think it had been such a an important part of your identity it in, yeah. in so many ways i do remember you struggling with like not having this faith community or what does my life look like without that or you know yes. oh yeah how I do, how do i still express that whatever i struggled yeah. with that for a long for a long time it took mm -hmm. me it took me many years like mm. the first few years of us being together really to start to unravel it um and to feel kind of okay with coming to that place of not attending a church anymore but so as i'm going away from a church and i'm kind of pulling away from my um kind of religion of origin at the same time there's this part of me inside of me that's wanting to just shout a huge hallelujah like i don't know how to to say it like, there is no doubt, 100% in my mind, that I am here today because I have been free to be my fullest self. <laughs> That's why I can live in this happiness today. And to me, a, 
a God or divine being or soul does not bring me to this place through this mess and hell of where we've been through to this place without also wanting to affirm that this is fully who I am. So I have never, ever, ever questioned that this has not been divine led. And on top of that, it has been doubly affirmed for me watching your journey coming to this same place within yourself Mm -hmm. that has been from a total opposite direction of mine, like not from within the church, you know, all those kind of things that we talked about. This is what's so interesting to me is that, yeah, we came from total opposite places Mm -hmm. for sure. And you talked about, you know, if it like the whole alcohol thing and you would have judged, you know, other families and all this. I'm telling you, I come from a family that you would have judged so harshly. I know. And here we are spiritually, though, arriving in the same place. I didn't go to church. You did. Like, you can still get there. And I love your family, too. Yeah. Like, no. And all those things. Yes. Like, all those pieces. Like, I am, we are here because we have been led through Mm -hmm. different circumstances, however you define being led. If that is a God outside yourself or that divine within yourself, Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know. We, it only makes sense for each of us and how that resonates with us. But there's no doubt in my mind that we are both here because we have been led together for this moment and we are fully being led to be fully who we are. And so I often think like when I think back to the marriage vows that I stood in the Mennonite church that I grew up in when I married my ex-husband, the marriage vows that I spoke that I could still recite to this day... <laughs> um i when i think like what do those words mean now what do those words mean when i made promises and vows to everybody in that church and to god i think what i think is that my divine understanding is that the wish for wholeness within each of us that's already that we are already born and come into this world with is so much greater than anything even that we could on an earthly realm try to confine so we make we say vows we make promises we make contracts earthly contracts that are in the fullest of hearts for mm-hmm. us at the time but yet like if god is going to or divine is going to help me grow mostly in my fullness. I'm sorry. Sometimes that's going to mean your marriage contracts, your words, those things that you wrote down and you said you promised to are going to get messed up. Yeah. Because there's a larger purpose for all of us. And that whole first marriage, all of that, everything that happened to you, all the things you went through together, the, the kids you had, all of that was still divine. It led you to this place. It led you to this place. Yes. You wouldn't be here without having been there. Absolutely. Yeah. And not was still divine, is still divine. That's right. Like is, does still have those sparks, those places where hope and love can emerge, even in the middle of the messiness. Yeah. And I've always sort of, I think, walked away from it all thinking, you know, when you, when you say those vows, you're promising to love someone forever. Nothing about that has changed. Still love them, not in the way that you need to yeah. to love someone to be married. But of course, like yeah. the, and we talked about that in another episode. The love transforms. Maybe it that may not happen for everyone. Not everything works out the same for everyone. Yeah. But that's how I've um, felt about it, and I I consider it the two halves of my life. My life, mm-hmm. and I am so grateful for both of them. Like I I know I wouldn't be standing here without all of that. And I also feel really fortunate that I, like some people don't, don't find, you know, a true love at all in a lifetime. And I, I feel like I've just had so much love and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. But I want to circle back to one thing. So (laughs) I told this lengthy story about, Mm -hmm. you know, what my brother's death, you know, meant to me and, and that whole spiritual awakening thing. But I feel like you went through some things too that, yeah, that, you know, like a spiritual awakening is like one of those things that just sort of, it, like I said, it's a big event. It's 
most likely a really painful one, but it like brings you to your own attention. That's really what it does. That's what it did for me. Yeah. So, what, so what's the thing? What's the thing that sort of brought you to your own attention? Like how, you know, that also was a difficult thing, but oh, so, yeah. so powerfully, like it just propelled you Well, it's, in such a good way. And it's interesting because you said yours was in your 20s. Um, kind of your mid twenties, I think you said. Mm-hmm. Mine was in my late twenties. So my parents, um, my my parents called my ex husband. But and you're I younger over. than me, so these were actually happening very close together. That's vec- actually yeah. very true. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's true. I Just across town, town, you're having a yeah. <laughs> you're <laughs> having, having your own, own epiphany, and I'm yeah. having mine. Yeah. So my parents told me that after I can't remember how many years of marriage, twenty eight marriage years of marriage or so, they were separating, and. And it completely rocked my world. Now, everybody, you know, there's many people that go through uh, separations, obviously, and kids that have their parents separated. But for me, my whole identity was wrapped up not just um, going to the church, you know, being a part of the church and kind of those set rock beliefs, you're in or you're out, you're good or you're bad, all those kind of really black and white beliefs I had. Um, One of my judging beliefs was also around uh, people that were from what, you know, quote unquote, broken homes, like with separated parents. And I thought, well, that's not going to be me. And then this really kind of hit me out of left field that my mom and dad were separating. And so we can all take that different ways. For me, it really, that foundational piece that you said, that's what everything changed. I thought, like, if my parents can split up, like what else about me that I thought was so assured in my life mm-hmm. is maybe not so assured in my life. And then it was so tied into, so my parents' separation was so tied into this feeling of we're a perfect, quote unquote, perfect family. We go to church. These kind of things don't happen to quote unquote, perfect families who go to church. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I am, my whole identity is built on this type of person. Like this is who I think I am. So all of a sudden this little piece crumbles and I have to start questioning who I am and that starts to crumble away. And so that whole journey and, and it ended up, I, you know, my son had just been, well, he was around seven months at the time, uh, six, seven months at the time. I just started into this job teaching with my high school mentor teacher that I love teaching high school music that I loved all these pieces happened. Um, my parents split up. All of a sudden, I started to question what's going on. And I found myself questioning even this job that I was in. Like all in a matter of a few months, kind of everything everything crumbled. I walked away from teaching. It was the last time I would ever teach again. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But it was the last time I would ever teach. And so... And that that's another, th- that's another piece of your identity because you yeah. grew up knowing you were going to be a music teacher and that's all you were going to be and you loved it. And so that's another huge piece of your identity. Yeah, like all these pieces of my identity... Just fell apart. Just fell apart all at the same time. And, and then definitely the faith piece fell apart for me too. Because, because this quote-unquote faith piece that I had that was so built on black and white and right and wrong and good and bad... Um, and that this is the way the things are. You just don't question them. This is just the way they think things are. That all crumbled away, and I had, I didn't know what to put in its place. Like I didn't know what to replace it with. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was many years of really doing a lot of questioning and trying to figure out what do I believe. Like maybe I don't believe in God at all anymore. I remember going through phase thinking. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I'm an atheist. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just, this is it. And I tried to get my head being around an atheist. But my head tried to get around being an atheist. But there was something within me that just didn't fit right. But nothing fit right. Nothing felt like it was fitting. Because I really had to fully unpack all the stuff that I had mm-hmm. to try to get it, figuring out, okay, all the stuff has gone away. What is the little truth? that you can start to see coming through. I had the picture of, uh, I had grown up in a really nice, pretty garden. And the flowers and the vegetables, and we did have a huge garden. I grew up on a farm. We had a huge garden when I was young. And um, 
it felt like somebody had came in and taken a beautiful uh, flowers that were in our garden and just pulled them out of the earth. And all of a sudden, this earth that looked all so pretty and beautiful was just gross and disgusting, and it was mess everywhere, and it was awful. And over time, as I started to look through and untangle all these beliefs, I started to notice little pieces of growth coming up underneath where those flowers have been ripped away. So how are you untangling all that? Like, are you... Are you working through that in your head? Are you journaling? Are you going to therapy? Like, how are you working through all that? Well, That's so you know, much. It's so much like you. Like, I started reading a lot of books. Mm -hmm. I started to feel like all these people came into my life yeah. that started to make me question things and look at them differently. It just was slowly piece by piece. And the image that came to me is that I started to see that I felt like I was out kind of in the middle of the ocean. Like when you are in, the, if you're in the middle of the ocean and you look around and you can't see land on any side of you, like you, you don't know where, mm -hmm. you know, north, south, east, west is. You're very, I don't know at the best of times. So we're, <laughs> that's true. You don't, <laughs> I'm most likely to get us out of a situation like that. Um, but you look around and you don't know where up and down is. And then all of a sudden you see a life uh, one of those little boys, you know, yes. B -O -U -Y oh, life boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah life yeah. boy. Mm -hmm. Um, and those kind of that image became to me, those were kind of my pillars of truth. So right now, what do I know? I don't know anything. I don't know if there is a God. I don't know if I can even believe that there's a divine that exists, let alone in my life. in any way, I really don't know. But what do I know? I do know that and I try to identify that what I know. Like I do know that there's something in me that believes that I'm not alone, that I'm being guided, even though I don't know, I can't say that I know what that person is, if it's somebody outside of me, if it's a person, mm -hmm. if it's a thing, if it's being, I don't know. But I had that feeling that somehow I was being led by something mm -hmm. in some way. And so I just kept identifying what those pillars of truth were for me, those boys in the middle of the ocean. And over time, it was enough to keep me kind of grounded so I could be kind of tethered to that life boy in the middle of the ocean while I still went around and was floating around and trying to figure things out. There's something that kept me there. Mm -hmm. And over time, I've just started to build up kind of those more boys of truth. And then the other thing is, too, to start to pay attention to my in myself when something feels true to me. Mm -hmm. So not always to figure out what truth is with my head by figuring out all the facts, but what feels true and aligned to me. Mm -hmm. And so the whole homosexuality piece about it being a sin and the Bible says it's a sin or whatever, all those things that religion says, that I think that, it, that just never felt and true never to me. It never resonated for me either, but I think for different reasons. But yeah, I yeah. definitely understand that. Yeah. You know, it, while you were talking, I had this thought, like you talked about, you know, uh, I think you mentioned broken homes, like oh, quote unquote. I know, it's so horrible. You know, sometimes <laughs> I think, I think it's not broken homes. I think it's homes that are broken open. Like I, mm -hmm. I look at this experience for you and, you know, I'm sure that there are, you know, everyone carries their own sort of emotion and whatever baggage or not baggage away from those things. But I really think you... You used it in well, the same way that I used my brother's death to propel you to a different future, yes. maybe one you couldn't have imagined, but one that let you be your full self. And isn't that isn't like isn't that amazing? Number yeah. one, but isn't isn't that what God wants for us all what? to be who we were created to be? Like Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and to me then too, I think that experience of that felt like one of the hardest things I had ever gone through was when my parents split up and how it kind of, and by the way, they're back together again. That's yes. a whole other story. That's what I mean. Broken, <laughs> open, I mean, not broken. broken right. Yeah. But I look back in that situation that felt so horrible and really ripped apart all the roots of my life. And yet I see it now as such a huge gift. So I was able, because of all this places that it's brought me to, this incredible growth that it took me on and the, you know, I've thanked my parents many times and told them what it actually, the gift it actually ended up being. So I'm now able to take that experience. And I think that's also why 
when we made the decision to come out, here I am, again, I talk about the fact that as a late 20s, as a child of parents, older, but as a child, how ripped apart that was for me. Here I am about to embark on the same thing with my own kids. Mm -hmm. But there was a sense that I had, I knew in the long run that it was, it was going to not just be okay, but that it was somehow unveiling to a larger, a larger opportunity for um, truth and growth and love for all of us. Mm -hmm. I believe that from the experience of me going through it, that I think that's what kind of propelled me moving and forward. And I think that's important because I, I think you're right. I think you, you always had, you always had that sense coming through it. And I think that's really important because I think when the people around you, your kids, who are, like the people around you that you love, when they see you rise, they rise with you. And I struggled for so long to rise, and I see, I see what that did. Yeah. Right. Well, and the, and the yeah. it's the opportunity. It's that life gives us time and time again gives us opportunities to grow more f- more fully into ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, whether we call that rise or however we call it. We just have an opportunity to be more full who we who we are, and that means going through shit many, you know, a lot yeah. of times and it a lot da- of mess. I, I actually that is your like, yeah. There's no way to not go through shit. Yeah, but also it's the most fertile ground. It's you know it's so hard to be in it when you're in it, mm-hmm. but it is the most fertile ground for personal growth. Like. There's nothing like it. Literally, it's the miracle grow of personal, <laughs> personal growth and development. I hate to say it like that's that, that's gonna but be that's gonna be that's gonna church, be yeah church well, slogan. Yeah, we're the miracle grow. <laughs> oh, that's no, funny. but do you know what I mean? Like, there, there's something like that's what suffering is. There's a, there's a purpose to it too. It's not just to make you suffer. Yes, and then on the reverse part of that, I've had to come to know too that you know you don't have to go through suffering just to get happiness. Either. No, you don't. Like it's okay to to embrace your happiness. You don't have to feel badly about being that, or think no. that you have to go through some kind of pain in order to get. Or there think either. that once you have some happiness, that the other shoe is going to drop at yes. some point and you're going to lose it. That's it's going right. to be taken away from you. Yeah. It's just it's a cycle of life. Like there are just really difficult times in life. Mm-hmm. Things happen, but all the like. All of that, like going through that, I'm sure you feel the same. Like we talked in another episode about your courage muscle and the more you flex it, the stronger it gets. Yeah. All of those things, like part of that whole personal growth thing for me was courage too. Like it, it, like even just to keep putting one foot in front of the other some days felt like courage. And yeah, I, I don't know. I just, there's so much about that whole journey that whole event and and what that sparked in me that yeah I need to <laughs> I feel like I'm not done not completely done investigating all of that but I am profoundly grateful profoundly yeah. grateful for for the suffering for the pain for all of it it taught me how to forgive it taught me how to accept it taught me how to suffer it, and I you know I suffered lots since then but it mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Every, yeah. you, you. It doesn't change. It taught me not to give up. It doesn't change your suffering. No. Um. It doesn't change that you don't go through suffering, obviously, because. But it we bol- all do. it bolsters your faith that you can, that yeah. you can, yeah. you can go through it. You can come out on the other side. There will be brighter days ahead. You know, people say that. It sounds very cliche. I remember, um, standing at the funeral home and you know, for my brother and, you know, you're in the receiving line and every other person is saying to you that time heals, time mm-hmm. heals. It's mm-hmm. going to feel better. It's going to get better. It's going to, fe- and I was so angry because I just, w- I couldn't, s- like, I was so angry that people kept saying that to me because I was like, I am nowhere near healing. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm angry that he died. I don't understand. You know, I, I had all these like kind of conflicting emotions and, but it's absolutely true. I know. It wouldn't have helped you even at the time no. to hear, you know what, Jana, actually, don't worry. This is actually going to propel your life in an incredible way. And you're going to look yes. back on this experience. If you'd have said that to me, that if, yeah. and if that would have, I would have just thought like you are nuts. I think you would have done more than just thought it. You might have actually told me. <laughs> like you, maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe I might have. If you I'd have known you, I might have told you. You might have done I that. I might have told yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been an incredible journey. 
I no, and I just I love so in terms of hearing back from people too, I love hearing about awakenings or we use the term spiritual awakenings, but really how how the ways that you've seen that your life has has kind of grown or bubbled or um, from the difficult experiences that you've gone through, not in a not in a just you know putting a nice little bow on it kind of way, but I love to see the way that the divine or spirit or God or however you call it, whatever kind of being or understanding you have for that, how it bubbles up. And so if you'd love to share those stories with us, we'd love to yeah, hear them. Yeah, what, did you, what yeah. did you get from it? Yeah. yeah. I think just before we go, uh, one of the biggest things that I got from that experience and other experiences that have happened since is that it taught me to reach. I was not somebody who reached out. I went through everything solidly alone in mm. my head. Like I did, you know what I mean? And that experience was so overwhelming to me that it taught me to reach. And, and I think, you know... <laughs> To me, that's what the world is. It's just a place to learn how much we all need each other, even when we don't really want to admit hmm. it. And and it taught me that for sure. And so. you know what's interesting? Because my nature is to reach out, to trust, to want to talk to a whole lot of people about things before I can come to my own understanding. It taught me the opposite. It taught me to listen to what those truths were within me. Yeah. All the searching that I was doing for with reading things and listening to people, it all helped. But in the end... It was the truth within me that I just had to Everything pay attention to and listen. There. Everything's in there. It's your all happiness in there. is in there. Your <laughs> peace is in there. It's all in there. It's all for you to access. Yeah, yeah it's so simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but yeah, interesting. That was a really good discussion. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I'm going to go away and think about more of that. So anyways, of course, we'd love to hear back from you. And please share your stories with us. You know how to reach us. And your questions. Um, and your questions as well. You know how to reach us on The Meaning Maker, on all of our, all so our socials as well. Hit and the link tree in the in the bios, either on Facebook or on Instagram. That's the easiest way to tell it because Charlene can't remember the email address right now. And yeah. neither can I. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Just go. <laughs> just come at us that way. We loved. Oh, we're loving hearing from you. And the, by the way, this whole topic was brought up by one of our listeners who kind of want to know a little bit more about this for us. So, um, yeah, keep sharing. Now with you us. have your answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.